Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roadnews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Road News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. What up, what up? Good morning, everyone. It is the one and only Gorilla himself coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News with my producer extraordinaire, CJ, working the airways, making sure the broadcast coming out crispy and clean. You know what I mean? Check us out, roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News. Rogue News on every single podcast. You have noon to humanity. We're everywhere you want us to be, plus a bag of chips. Today will be a jam-packed day. Not only with CJ and I, we've been breaking down everything that's going on today, but also we will have at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the one and only Matthew Eric from the CanadianPatriot.org. And uh, it's going to be great. The great game with Matthew Eric will be on 2 p.m., so make sure you guys are subscribed and ready and locked and loaded. And with that being said, it'll cool go. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, brother. Doing great. Um, you know, I'm just... I'm getting a little bit tired of this cold weather streak that we've been on. Cold, well, dude, my siege, I, I, I dodged another bullet, bro. Oh, the East Coast? The Hamp- dude, the negative 40 degree winds in Nueve York, bro. What? When was negative this? Negative 40. Dude, you can't even keep your hands on your balls to keep your hands warm at that point. Bro, that is juicy smouillé weather right there. That is like go out and get a Subway sandwich and a bottle of bleach with a noose kind of weather, bro. Wow. Wow. Dude, that's it's brutal. Well, and you saw that in the news. I think it was, was it I-95 that runs between Washington, yeah. D.C. and somewhere where people were like Dude, I-95. stuck for overnight. Like, man. Yep. yep. It, it, it's dude, I 95. That I 95 corridor runs all the way from like New York, Connecticut, all the way down to like Florida, bro. It's nuts. I think even goes even higher than that, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, for them to be, oh my God, just to get stuck. Imagine that. You better pray to God that you have enough gas in your tank to keep your car running all night. Right, right. Yeah, that's why, you know, anytime I'm traveling on the highway, you know, regardless, if I get below half a tank, I'm, you know, Obviously, if you're between, you know, exits and all that kind of jazz, but I just don't I don't want to risk it, especially if I'm going on a long trip or something like that. It's like you, you don't know that next accident or whatever that you're literally going to be in a, in a parking lot. That happened to me once coming in, uh, from Chicago uh, down to Indy. And literally, we we're on the highway enough that some of us got out and we started playing catch with the football and everything. On the highway. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Uh, you know, the crazy thing is, imagine being in a Tesla and you're on I-95. Ooh, and the highway it's game over. Down. It's game over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to plug that shit in. You'll bring out your solar panels. You're going to plug it up your rear end. That's what you're going to be doing. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're going to be like, uh, I mean, what would you do? 
Oh my god. And then yeah, Jerry Henderson. Everybody in the chat, run returns, good human man, Jerry Henderson, Velas, Texas Tom Payne, Molly Muhammad Ali, Gilbert Novak, Sky Queen. Good morning to all of you. Revolutionary bliss. Homo sermons in the house. Homo sermons. Uh Albert Giles. Uh everybody's here. Green Machine. Uh Swirls Entertainment. Everybody's here. Raven Six. All right, Raven. let's go. Excellent. Cowboy. What's going on, guys? How are you? All good morning to you all. Gilbert Nowak. Uh, all of you guys, good morning. And yeah, I mean, you know, Pakistan had like what 22 people. That's right. Jerry Henderson, uh, Hardison said, uh, 22 people died in Pakistan, like all of a sudden a freak snowstorm. This, this, this is why we need the Green New Deal siege so all the snow will stop, right? We do, we and do. There'll we be no the more inclement weather. Um, you know, get, get rid of all the cows, you know, let's <laughs> Dude, start there. Uh, let's just go ahead and shut down all the power plants. Let's right. do that. We should, I mean, think about it, man. I mean, get rid of all the red meat. This way they're, you know, uh, American men who are already in a, in a, in a testosterone crisis. Uh, you know, we could, we can make the full transition into complete soy boys. So yeah, let's do that. And, and we'll live in mud huts. <laughs> Unreal, man. Unreal. Seeds, today's another day in the land of the free, home of the brave. Um, I don't know where you want to start, brother. I mean, I guess... No, your pick, bro. Let me me do a quick crypto update. Yeah. People are wondering what the hell is going on in the crypto market. I've been saying it for quite some time. Listen, this temporary beatdown is is going to be a rise for a run-up. We're going to 75,000. Get the T-shirts printed. 75,000 BTC. It is happening. Uh, Where's BTC at right now? 41,000. I know it dipped to 38 to 39, which I said it would. And now... It's saying right here, Griffin's Crypto Pivot. Listen to this. Citadel Securities to get $1.15 billion from outside investors, including cryptocurrency fund, in what may be the clearest sign yet that Robinhood is suffering a huge drop in activity and revenue. The company's de facto hold co- holding company, Citadel Securities, is set to receive its first every outside investment in a deal, valuing the electronic trading firm Majority owned by hedge fund billionaire Ken Griffin at around $22 billion, right? And what's going on with Griffin? He is having a, 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 um, a uh, pivot, okay? What is remarkable is not only is that Citadel's first ever outside investment, the addition of the legacy venture capital firm Sequoia Capital and co-investor of the $1.5 billion, uh, $1.15 billion crypto, uh, Citadel uh, fund is a cryptocurrency investor paradigm. Although the bulk of the cash appears to come from Sequoia, whose partner is Alfred Lin, and, and will join uh, blah, blah, blah. The deal, according to the company, will give Citadel Securities Capital continuing to expand globally and would be a precursor to an initial public offering for the business. The big question is, of course, whether this is a pivot by Citadel Securities to fully inter- internalize crypto trading and to tear away from Robinhood, which, after a brief burst in the Dogecoin-inspired trading last year, has seen its value as a Citadel retail feeder fund collapse. And there you go. Folks, it's not just Citadel, okay? It is every – Grayscale is buying like crazy. Look, you know, we own a node on, on the BTC uh, blockchain. And I can tell you right now, the level of buying that is occurring right now is huge, okay? Every time the prices are dumping, look, there's a lot of people that have already taken profits. There's been price dumps. And what has occurred is it is a frenzied buying. Why? As more and more institutional players come out and they start buying up the supply and they start controlling the price and they start introducing product. Kind of like, you know, I think it was the Cash App where you can buy Bitcoin 
but you can never take it out. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing Robinhood, right? People are buying Dogecoin and Shiba and this, that, and the other, but they can't get their coins out. It's the same thing. They want you in their walled garden, okay? The institutions, the insolvent institutions, and I was thinking about this yesterday, which I'm going to probably do a show on, on the insolvency crisis or the that, that we're facing. We're, fa- we're facing a solvency crisis, okay? And a liquidity crisis is, 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 a, is a huge symptom of a broad, much broader solvency problem. And as I was uh, driving around town and, and running errands, I was just thinking about that. I do my best thinking when I'm in the car or when I'm on the toilet. But uh, anyway, um, th- you know, what, what are yield-starved institutions going to do? Look, I mean, we're on this show, Siege, and we always talk about dollar collapse, the end of the dollar, dollar de-dollarization. Uh, we're talking about the replacement of the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. We're talking about central bank-issued digital currencies, this, that, and the other, blockchain technology. All of this stuff is happening. And, folks, if I'm talking about it, I bet your bottom dollar, there are Ph.D.-level quants working at many of these uh, hedge funds and investment funds and investment banks that know this, too. Okay, and not only do they know this, they have the parameters better than me, way better than me, because they're way smarter than I am. Okay, now if these guys know this, and bet your bottom dollar, there's not information mentioned about crypto that I've told you that these guys don't already know. Why? Because I get my my sources from these guys. So if these guys understand that, look, there's nowhere for yield-starved institutions to go. Where do yield-starved institutions go when there is a solvency crisis? Where do yield-starved institutions go when there's a liquidity crisis? Well, you simple. You get into cryptos. You get into commodities. You get into anything you can, right? And whatever, because remember, it's the fire economy, and uh, and what we what they do in the fire economy is to create instruments, real or fake, fictitious or backed by an asset or backed by imagination whatever have you, give it a prescribed value and then sell it off to you. In other words, don't buy this Bitcoin. Why do you want to risk buying Bitcoin? Buy this new Citadel Bitcoin ETF, BTC ETF. Buy it now. Don't buy Shiba Inu. Why buy Shiba and 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 uh, and Doge and 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 uh, and uh, you know. Uh, Chainlink and 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 Sol- uh, and Solan and all those other uh, coins. Why 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 buy them? Why buy Theta? Why buy this? Buy this Matrix Index from Citadel Group or Goldman Sachs. And you buy this uh, crypto mutual fund that has all these various crypto. Buy it. it's much safer. That's how they're going to sell it to you. Meanwhile, a lot of people that are buying these Bitcoin ETFs and buying all these other ETF and various ETF type products based on cryptos will never hold crypto, will never have crypto, will never be part of it. It's a cheap knockoff, man. It's a cheap Canal Street knockoff. And if you're from New York, you understand what I'm talking about. You know, you go to Canal Street, that's where they sell all the knockoff, all the, all the counterfeit brands. You know, they got you got some African guy. Hey, hey, mother soccer, come here. I want to show you something. Oh, what do you got, man? Do you want to see the Louis Vuitton? And you take a look, and you got these fake Louis Vuitton bags. You got Rolex watches that are so fake that they you actually see the needles tick, and you touch it, it feels like chintzy. That's how it is. That's Wall Street. They want to take the real. They want to control the real, but they want to give you the fake. You know, 
So what is happening right now? The crypto market is letting out your heartbeat trouble. I think by the end of this week, we could possibly be at back up to 48, maybe even 50, but definitely by 51, by the 17th. And you guys better get ready by the end of the month going into February. I think we're going to start seeing a massive uh, price climb. So get ready for that. But uh, that's a quick little crypto update from a uh, um, not a technical point of view. Uh, technicals I'll always have a crypto cowboy on, but from a fundamentals point of view, what the hell is going on in the market? Uh, Me, what, um, yeah. Real quick, I want to ask your opinion on this. Um, I can't remember what the name of the gentleman that was uh, recently on. He was formerly one of the MTV VJs. Is it Adam Curry? Adam Curry that was on Rogan not too long ago. Wow. Any, any, anyway, uh, the conversation uh, began in regards to um, you know NFTs. Yeah, it was Adam Curry. And, you know, part part of that conversation detailed how Apple is uh, considering launching an NFT. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps that could be the next level in terms of, I don't want to say the, 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 the fraud or the scam or whatever is it, oh, you know, definitely. as they inflate the stock market, you know, to a certain extent and, and people are looking at that, that buy-in and yes, there's micro shares and all that kind of deal. But if they're, if they're able to, to pivot, and create a different type of financial investment instrument, you know, like an NFT at a, at a corporate level and say, look, this is, this is part of it. Um, I think they still have some bandwidth in terms of, of what that could look like, especially companies like, you know, Apple that are, you know, massively involved with, you know, um, you know, Apple, Google, Amazon, you name it, those companies involved with digital storage, digital units, all those things. Um, you know, who knows where they could go with that in terms of running running that up uh, to to the market to the street. I mean, when you when you look at uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, NFTs, Apple, Apple's working on an AR uh, headset, and AR is pretty cool. I mean, you, you know, VR, you got the stupid thing on, you can't see anything but whatever is portrayed or given to you or displayed on those VR goggles. Augmented reality is pretty cool because you can see your surrounding world, but yet also see the graphic um, graphical object in 3d right in front of you as well which is pretty cool you know so imagine if you will i mean nfts are a perfect fit for what apple is doing with the ar goggles imagine like you have your goggles you have your nft which is you know the 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 source code is on the blockchain you own that blockchain and look there's a lot of bullshit and a lot of fake and fraud and crazy stupidity that's happening in the nft markets no doubt no doubt whatsoever but it is going to be an avenue for legitimate digital artists to sell their work, and you can own it. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm. Oh no, sorry. Go ahead, and finish your thought. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, when you look at like NBA Top Shot, right? There were, you know, when NBA Top Shot were official licensed NBA basketball card NFTs that are sold, some for thousands of dollars, and they're maintaining value. People have made a killing. On NFTs like NBA Top Shot, I have a business partner who has several NBA Top Shots, right? And you, when you look at things with a pragmatic point of view, when you look at and you buy something, you understand that there's a the this is there's a better liquidity um, uh, offshoot, right? In other words, like if I buy this painting, this digital painting that's an NFT for five hundred dollars. Will there be somebody else that'll buy it for more than what I purchased for? And chances are it is. I mean, look, I, mean, I, have, a, I have a friend of mine who uh, they have a, um, uh, they've launched a uh, an NFT uh, marketplace, which is pretty decent. I think it's called a, it's called a G Market, right? 
And they just did an Amy Winehouse special a few months ago on the death anniversary of Amy Winehouse. And they had an Amy Winehouse NFT. Uh, sold, it was a limited edition of five. They sold for $500 a piece. Right now, those things are traded for thousands. So there's, look, you might not get it, right? The guy, the pe people in their 60s and 70s and some guys in their 50s and whatnot, the old school dudes, you're not going to get it. You're going to be like, what is this? Stupid. But there's a younger generation of artists that understand that, hey, this is a digital piece of art. An artist could be anything, man. Okay. Some people hate modern art. Some people like it. Some people love classical art. Some people more. Art is what you make of it. Okay. And I'm not here to judge what somebody considers art or what, 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 what they don't. Right. But there's going to be young digital artists and legitimate artists who are right now dabbling in the NFT marketplace and understanding that they can create a digital art piece and sell it, that is that source code, that data code that is on a persistent blockchain is something that is significantly valuable. Okay, now you could, you know, it, 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 it's, look, you, you got to open up your, your mind a little bit, all right? Like code is code. It's not like, you know, you live in a in a digital ubiquitous world, and this thing's not going to end. I mean, unless of course there's a a a, a you know a uh, a solar maximum or, or like a grand solar rejection where there's a massive solar flare that hits the Earth that wipes out every electrical uh, system in God's green Earth, that then we're screwed. And the last thing you'd want to worry about is cryptocurrencies and your NFTs. At that point, it's going to be you know beans and bullets, baby, right? So. You know, and I think that's yeah. yeah. I think, and I think that you know. Oh, go ahead, V. I keep saying, finish your thought, and I keep interrupting. No, you. Right. So, so the thing with <laughs> NFTs, it's like, dude, there's tremendous opportunity. Be prime. You know how many people just sit there and, and and all they do is just like is is take a a negative, contrarian view of things, and they miss, uh, you know, uh, and they miss the entire, um, opportunity. Like, you, you see what I'm saying? There are opportunities that don't jive with you, that don't, you know, politically or or philosophically fit your worldview. But damn it, man, I know so many people who have missed out on tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, look, man, I, I remember I bought, a, I bought and sold a Pokemon card. You think I care about Pokemon? I don't even know a damn thing about Pokemon. I got lucky. I got a stupid card that I haven't even worth something. I sold the damn thing. Like, be pragmatic because just because you think it's stupid, other people will ascribe value to it. Remember that old saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Go ahead, Siege. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that, and I think it, that's the, the, the most important part is that in terms of, you know, what that potential looks like and, and everyone has their certain interests in terms of, hey, look, you know, I put a certain monetary value on this specific item is uh, and you and you purchase it because you feel it's a great deal and, and you buy the exclusive rights the digital unique code that that can't be re reproduced or anything else like that um is just you know strategizing in terms of what that that next move was you try to you know off shelf or off brand that in terms of getting that getting that sold is that you know is that demand going to be there by someone who is as interested in this you know particular item yeah. now the entire like you know, uh, creative artists and, and, and things like that in terms of selling artwork and everything. I get it. I mean, we've, we've already seen a, a little bit of that, uh, even with, you know, one of our previous guests with, uh, Tatiana Moroz. And, you know, I'm not sure if everyone recalls Tatiana's uh, story, but she was one of the very first 
artist to launch an artist token and she leveraged and you know used the sale of that token to fund the uh, production and release of her first album and when you when you had the token you could turn around and use that token to buy the actual album uh once once it was once it's finished so we so we have kind of an idea of potentially you know what that what that that looks like it's again just you know uh you know supply versus demand versus wants and is that in person going to be willing to you know purchase that at some day so i totally get and support individual uh you know content creators artists and stuff like that i think it's in you know, important to understand that, like when you when you try to go, you know, as 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 far as like the the music industry in general, when you try to go and and you know launch an album and do things like that, it takes money, right? Like recording time, recording studio, and and some of these major record labels, they've nearly not made it impossible, but you literally have to, you know, sell your soul, sell the rights to your music and everything else like that. Think of what that could have looked like several years ago. Um, you know, we've heard some of the big artists that have had to sell to get their rights back to their their music i think prince was one of the original artists that never gave up the rights uh to his music even even when he signed albums and stuff like that but that could help protect that like in terms of a long term so i do see some value in it i'm not saying it's everyone i, I you know i i still always fall back to you know main street and uh some of the working class people who are you know, working to put food on the table, understanding that inflation is on the rise in terms of what that looks like. But at the same time, as we navigate through this economic reset, uh, you do have to keep your eyes and ears open for certain opportunities and and not be one of those that, you know, like whenever we had Roger Veer on eight, nine years ago, whenever it was when Bitcoin was like at five bucks, right, V? Like, um, you know, we talked about cryptos. I remember then people were like, oh, you know, you know, this and that. So, yeah, so yeah, it's you know, a not, scam. It's never going to go anywhere. Doing right, anything. right. Oh, so okay. respectively, you know, I get that it's not for everyone and everything else like that. But as we navigate through this, I think it's going to be important. You know, I, I, I still firmly believe that we may enter a time period where the bartering system may come into play, where people are looking at exchange uh, for for goods and services for things that people are, are are doing. You know, doing certain things for each other in exchange for those. So. Yeah, but you know, definitely keep your eyes, ears open for opportunity as it as it presents itself. Yeah, and then everyone individual has to understand and assess their own their own risk tolerance. Yep, absolutely, one hundred percent correct, man. You know, it, it's um, you know, never miss opportunities because you're too um, hoity-toity, you're too highbrow, you're too um, your 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 political or philosophy, your worldview is more important. I, I've known people that have lost crap tons of money because of that don't 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 be that i mean if there's a limited edition uh, beanie baby that somebody's looking for and you happen to buy it my god i mean take it buy it flip it you'll, you'll make money look at that idiot gary v he goes to garage sales all the time that moron right yeah but he'll go he'll go there he'll find items for like five six ten dollars that are actually worth 100 bucks here, 200 bucks there, 500 dollars there and, he, and they sell it why? Because there's somebody mm -hmm. out there that ascribes value to it. Yep. You know I had a, I had a dude that I was talking to in New York. He uh there was an, a mom and pop video game store that was going out of business and they were taking out a an official uh merch uh you know merchant retail Nintendo uh sign. And it's like the Nintendo sign that that lights up. It has you know it's in red with the white background. It's like like the damn sign was probably like four feet wide and one foot thick, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the guy bought it. He bought it from them for twenty dollars. He sold it on eBay for like two thousand dollars. 
Okay, bought it for like 20, 25 bucks, sold it on eBay for $2,000 because there's a fanboy out there that needed it for his game room. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's like it, it, stuff like that. I mean, people thought video games were stupid, right? I was like, yeah, video games. Man, I, I, I looked at like, uh, I remember like, if you could find, like, I still have, see, I still have the Nintendo Entertainment, the original NES in the box with Super Mario Brothers 3 people. Prepacked. I still have it from the eighties, bro. The original Nintendo, right? Yeah. And yeah. those things, those things, like if you find like like uh, I remember the the golden cartridge Nintendo Zelda game, those are worth a fortune, right? PlayStation One. If you have the Castlevania PlayStation One game, Castlevania uh, Symphony of 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 uh, Symphony of, of the Night, the yeah, Symphony of the Night, Castlevania, the black disc worth thousands thousands nfts is no different folks right it's no different it's source code it's kind of like a comic book right i mean you know i'm still on the hunt for incredible hulk number 181 the first appearance of yeah Wolverine. i have a know? fun a fun one to share along along the lines you have a fun this is kind of fun to to share this i'm not sure if our our listeners holy shit or even Bobby had a golden zelda no oh wow wow no but I'm not sure if everyone remembers uh, this story regarding um, the 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 television show American Pickers, where uh, hidden in the in the uh, someone's basically farmland, whatever was the in Massachusetts was actually the very first uh, touring band of Aerosmith, and uh, they found they found the van, and um, you know they were able to validate that yes, it was the band's. Very first original early tour bus way back in the days. They 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 bought the. I don't know how much they paid for uh, the 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 van. Uh, it looks like they apparently they ended up returning it to to Aerosmith. Uh, but this is you know again this isn't something someone created, but again something that is found that no one knows the worth of it. But you can imagine like if they would have put this on an auction block, or whatever be like you know how much that van potentially you know would have went for um, back. But can you imagine finding that? I mean, wouldn't that be pretty darn cool? Oh, hell yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. 100% correct. Hold on one second. Good. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, you know, it, it is. Um, oh, my God. Texas Tom Payne. He has a friend that at the first. Ah, oh, exactly. He won't part with it. Dude, do you know there's a story? I was in a comic book convention. And there was a story that, it, that an owner of the store told me, right? Somehow, you know how they in comic book conventions that you know you have that dollar bin, right? You go through, you shuffle through comics that are like you know one dollar. They're old comics, vintage. You can, sometimes you get lucky, right? Siege. Yeah, I hear right, you. Right. Sorry, so, I'm oh, sorry about that. So uh, yeah, so this guy one time went through the dollar bin and he pulled out Incredible Hulk number one eighty one, the first appearance of Wolverine, and the comic book owner is like, well. You got it in the dollar bill. I'll have to sell it to you for a dollar. He got so <laughs> damn lucky, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, dude, dude. I'm gonna pull this up, right? Because I've mentioned this several times already, right? Let me just pull this up, all right, just to give you guys an idea of what a primo condition one is going for these days. This is a nine point eight condition all right let me let me y- y'all gonna flip out you, you, 
Ah, man, people need to open their minds. Look at this. Dude, look at this, okay? I mean, this is an asking price. I'm sure they're settled for But this is a 9.8 in mint condition, right? Go ahead, see. Share my screen, bro. What does that price say? Holy shit, $250 million? $250,000, man. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yep, and this guy's selling it from Wentzville, Missouri. This is graded, okay? 9.8, top shape. Unheard of. With the Marvel stamp in there. Unheard of. And there's the bloody price, folks. This is the one. Now, I've, you know, he's selling giant size X-Men number one as well. But here's, I mean, look at this. 9.8. This is like unheard of. That's, this is a unicorn. It's, like, it's a museum piece, right? Unreal. Unreal. Hey, I happen to have this one. Holy crap, it's actually up. Oh, this is signed by Chris Claremont. I have an unsigned one. How much is it? That's also signed by Chris Claremont. Okay, I'm getting lost in the, I'm getting lost in the sauce, but you guys get it, right? So take that collectible mentality and bring it to NFTs, and you'll understand. Look, and, and look, NBA has very smart people working for it. I'm not talking about the woke idiots and the politics and the idiotic players and the athletes. I'm just talking about people that are working on the digital side of things, right? They're engineers and some of them marketing guys. They understand the value of NFT in order to create these NFT cards, these player cards, right? And if they're doing it and they're flipping for, take advantage of it. Now, I'm not going to say, hey, you know what? This NFT on this particular thing is going to be worth millions of dollars in the future. No, but you got to be able, and the crazy thing about this, here's the crazy thing about art in general, right? If, if it was purchased one time for 500 and it was sold uh, for, let's just say a uh, thousand, right? The guy who bought it for a thousand, he's not going to go sell it for 500 bucks. He's going to go sell it for 2000. And the guy who buys it for 2000 is going to sell it for 4,000. The guy who buys it for 4,000 is going to sell it for 8,000. So on and so forth. That's how these usually these things go. Anywho's in that's a little bit about cryptos, we a little bit about NFTs and whatnot. And uh, let's touch base on something that we do shifting gears real quick. Um, about the land of the free, man. You know, you want to talk about the siege? Because you know we have so much journalistic freedom. You, you can ask Julian Assange how much journalistic freedom we have. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, this is uh, coming from RT, and this is just in regards to uh, the press and journalists. Uh, I vet them no different than I vet a terrorist, how the U.S. tracked and blackmailed journalists. Ooh. An investigator has shed light on how, many, how journalists were vetted and threatened by a custom agent supposedly looking into forced labor, but actually seeking leaks related to President Trump and his alleged collusion with Russia. Can you imagine that? Uh, it was almost 10 p.m. on a Thursday night. And Allie Watkins uh, was walking around the Capitol following instructions text by a stranger. One message instructed her to walk through an abandoned parking lot near Washington, D.C.'s DuPont Circle and then wait at a laundromat. Uh, then came a final cryptic ins instruction. She was to enter the unmarked door on Connecticut Avenue, uh, leading to a hidden bar. Uh, the shepherd, an upscale speakeasy, was so dimly lit it was sometimes hard to see the menu. Uh, let alone a stranger at the bar. But amid the red velvet upholstery, Watkins in a reporter at Politico almost immediately spotted a man she was supposed to meet. He was wearing a corduroy blazer and jeans and had a distinctive gap between his teeth. 
Uh, I will quote unquote, I won't tell you my name, but I work for the U.S. government, he said, according to account account later provided to government investigators. Uh, thus began a long story published by Yahoo about a spy operation on members of the press that t- took place during the time of the Trump administration, uh, which in, in eventually ensnared members of Congress in an effort to sniff out governmental leaks related to the former president's alleged collusion with Russia. This, of course, was a claim reported, in fact, repeatedly by the media, but ultimately never established in the Mueller investigative report. And I think we're all familiar, you know, with, you know, with this story and, and you know, what took place. And this all stemmed from, um, for whatever reason, if you remember that during that time period, and it doesn't happen anymore. That's kind of the crazy thing is during Trump's first four years, there was constant release of, quote unquote, uh, whistleblower information. And the whistleblower ended up being involved directly, you know, with the government, with the FBI. Uh, I'm not saying it was appropriate to to do in terms of what they started trying to track down, look for journalists uh, who were part of this uh, information. Uh, but it was uh, in part it was due to the intelligence agencies, the FBI, uh, certain individuals who were leaking information <coughs> to the press in regards to what should have been concealed information about the Trump administration. Uh, so this was probably more of a of a of a counter off, off, uh, counter effort to find out who exactly was in, involved with it. Uh, it goes on to say, as the mysterious man at the bar, articles that came out later said Jeffrey Rambo was a rogue actor at DHS during the Trump administration, who had taken upon himself to pursue leaks in glory. Rambo worked in the Customs and Border Protection Division where lax rules were routinely, routinely allowed agents to use secret databases to gain information without warrants. Surprise, surprise. Rambo maintains he operated within the law and told Yahoo on being accused of blackmailing a journalist and lying to sign her up as an FBI informant because of misinformation reported by news media. Uh, he was, he claimed, assigned to investigate illegal forced labor and came across Watkins when he was looking for journalists who reported on labor issues. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He's so concerned about forced labor. Scene. He's so concerned. <laughs> yeah. Rimbo said he was merely vetting her as a potential reliable source of info. He hoped she could connect him to other journalists or people inside government with knowledge of illegal forced labor. Quote, unquote, there is no specific guidance on how to vet someone. Rambo later told investigators in terms of policy and procedures, there's no policy and procedures on vetting. Rambo is an example of government agent help pulling in a dragnet through government databases, looking at the private lives, including the romantic relationships of U.S. citizens under no suspicion or criminal activity to see what he could unearth. Yeah, um, everything connected to the top down. Rambo's division probably uh, prided itself with, quote unquote, out of the box thinking, out of the box thinking. His supervisor, Dan White, intentionally created a loose atmosphere, calling his team Wolf. An acronym way out in left field, as he described it. We are pushing the limits out limits, and the, there is no norm, no guidelines. We are the ones making the guideline. Ooh, that's scary. Unbelievable, man. Yeah, CPF investigation and labor abuses came directly from the Secretary of Homeland Security above above White because the CBD believes China was mining. There we go. China was mining cobalt in the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo using forced labor. U.S. Customs was looking for unfair practices to assist Trump's trade war with China. And Rambo was asked with leading the operation to investigate that particular situation. So, yeah, I mean, this is perfect example. Thoughts thoughts on this, V? I mean, uh, you think about it, right? Like the U.S. is so concerned about forced labor, 
like the U.S. is so concerned about human trafficking, like the U.S. is so concerned about narco trafficking, like the U.S. is. I mean, I can go down the list, man. I can go down the list that any one of these alphabet agencies who have a body count in the tens of millions actually care about human life and 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 and, and uh, journalistic integrity. No, they don't. What they're doing is, yeah, this guy got caught. He was trying to blackmail this reporter and try to get her on board as an FBI informant. And this is a known thing. It's not just this girl, Allie. It's several reporters who have been confronted when they're traveling overboard as a, you know, abroad as a, uh, as, as a reporter and coming back into the country. They are stopped by Customs and Border Patrol. They are flagged first by the TSA when they come in and then uh, Customs and Border Patrol you know, brings them to the side and that's where the problems start. They start digging into the person's social media. They try to that. They try to get every piece of intel on who this person is, who they're hanging out with, who their friends are, what are their political leanings, who are they connected to, where do they live, where do they work, where do their parents live, do they have kids, what school their kids go to, so on and so forth. Why? Only a terrorist state, only a tyrannical, Stasi, fascist state will go to the lengths that this country goes through currently in its current woke state, right, that it goes through in order to blackmail, circumvent, and or corrupt journalists, get them blackmailed, have some sort of leverage over the narrative and information, because the most important things to these people is the narrative. Is the narrative at all costs, and this is the reason why Julian Assange is rotting in per, in prison, and most probably will die in prison. Think about that. Think about it. Look, they don't want people out there reporting war crimes. They don't want people reporting financial crimes. Think about it. See, how come nobody got arrested in the two thousand eight financial collapse? How come nobody went to jail? It's it's remarkable when I when you think about it, folks. And this is the reason why. And, th- and I'm, I'm telling you right now, come the springtime <clears throat> where I'm predicting a market sell-off on Big Pharma, right? When all of the narrative collapse that is, that is occurring right now with, this, with, the, with a certain, you know, uh, you know, health crisis that is sweeping the globe, as this gets shuffled down, as the wealth of the top, top, tippy-top 0.01% has went into the trillions of dollars, okay, this is a big problem. Go ahead, see, play this. And I want to ask you, in terms of talking about this corruption, by the way, a name that comes to mind in the news recently is Julian Julian Assange. You know, he was exposing this corruption early on. He's had his life ruined because of it. It's it's a really sad story. Edward Snowden. I mean, think about that bravery for me. I was quite young when that was going on. (laughs) But I mean, the idea of saying, hey, whistleblowing, actually, we've got some corruption going on. They're not being honest with the American people. You could have had a chance to pardon these individuals. What was why, yeah. why why decide not so, to in that moment? You have two sides of it. In yeah. one case, you have like sort of a spy deal going on, and in another case, you have somebody that's exposing real corruption. Right. Uh, I feel a little bit. I won't say which one, but I feel a little bit more strongly about one than the other. Right. Uh, but and you probably understand that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I could have done it, but. I will say you have people on both sides of that issue, good people on both sides, and you have some bad people on one side. Uh, But I decided to let that one ride, let the courts work it out. Mm -hmm. And I guess the courts are actually doing that. Yeah, these are big decisions. Yeah. In a certain way, you know, you have a country and 
there was some spying things and there were some bad things released that really set us back and really hurt us with what they did. You understand that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, <laughs> in many cases, what they did, these are the same people that came after me so viciously and dishonestly. Yeah. So, you know, that's you why, that's why I view. thought, Hey, so I said, come if on, I'm in courts, your, if I'm let's in your get circumstance, I'm no, going, no, you know what? Yeah. Well, you can, you can <laughs> I could have gone. I yeah. was very close to going the other way. Yeah. I think you were too nice. I might've been too nice. Might've yes. been a little too I've nice. Been, I've been known for being very nice. Yeah. Can't wait to ask more questions, but first. I, re I really loved how she kind of held him to the, the fire in regards yeah. to that. Like, you know, just point blank, like, I think you were too nice. <laughs> <laughs> Donald the coward, right? I mean, he, between uh, him trying, you know, walking around in, in these rallies, trying to get um, um, some sort of recognition for Operation Warp Speed, and then trying to. Uh, I mean, what, what, I mean, you talk about the swamp. Okay, great. Thank you for allowing us to, to for not allowing us, but allowing the normies to actually wake up to this concept called the deep state. And thank you for alerting most Americans to something uh, called the D.C. swamp. Thank you. I mean, that, that, that's probably the greatest thing that Trump has done, right? Now get out of the way and let people who actually want to take out the deep state and actually drain the swamp go about doing it. And that's the whole entire thing here, see. It's it, it's it's ridiculous to to see that, you know, I mean, one, the Kennedy assassination, damn it. I mean, everybody who's been involved in that whole entire operation, they're all dead. Right? Why don't you just declassify that? No, we have the redacted JFK files, the, the, the JFK uh, uh, data, the, all the details from the JFK assassination. We have it all redacted. And the only word you see is the, and, or, it, was, where, when, how, but, I, they, them. Uh, everything else is blacked out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, what is the point? Uh, I, what I did, I thought, you know, there were some people, some good people on one side and some uh, other good people on the other side. And, uh, you know, uh, I just let it ride. Okay. No, but, but you know, I wanted to free uh, Snoop Dogg and Kodak Black and all these other rappers. <laughs> Chris well, Delisa asks, do I think all presidents are puppets? Um, pretty much. They're compromised right. and or they're threatened or they're controlled. If they're not compromised, they're going to be threatened. In other words, somebody took Trump into the room and said, hey, you see this? And, and they played the full unedited Zapruder film of Kennedy's head going back into the left with his brains being blown out. And I think at, at that point, something happened. And they got rid of him. They got rid of him. We have a problem here, and there's no solution that's going to come out of Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is not a solution. Washington, D.C. is the problem. Go ahead, Siege. Uh, no, this is this is probably by far one of my most favorite, um, you know, discussions, you know, and that's when Tucker Carlson, you know, he criticized oh, yeah. <laughs> Ted Cruz for his use of the the terms. And and obviously, you know, I because I remember looking at, you know, Twitter that day and and uh, and and long story short, like this was really blowing up the Internet saying, like, you know, why is Cruz doing this? And, you know, we have to be mindful that there's a there's a lot of fake patriots out there. Uh, a lot of people who are, are leveraging, utilizing the political process for their own their own gain. And and I firmly believe, like Tucker does, that, you know, that Cruz is is, is a smart dude. He really is. And he's way too smart to be utilizing the, the words of the left to describe the events that unfolded on 
on January 6th. I can play this if you want, B. I'm not yeah, sure if you've yeah, watched it. it. So it's, 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 it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, the men and women of law enforcement <laughs> demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this capital. Senator Cruz was game enough to come on tonight. We appreciate that. He joins us now. Senator, thanks so much for coming on. So I guess what I, I mean, there are a lot of dumb people in the Congress. You're not one of them. I think you're smarter than I am. Uh, and you never use words carelessly. Um, and yet you called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose. And I'm wondering why you did. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me on. When you aired your episode last night, I, I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because the way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And I don't buy that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't buy that. I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You're a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word you repeated that phrase, I do not believe that you use that accidentally. I just don't. It's, so, Tucker, as a result of my sloppy phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. Let me tell you what, what I meant to say. What I was referring to are, are the limited number of people who engaged in violent attacks against police officers. Now, I think you and I both agree that if you assault a police officer, you should go to jail. That's who I was talking about. And the reason the phrasing was sloppy is I have talked dozens, if not hundreds of times, I've drawn a distinction I wasn't saying that the thousands of peaceful protesters supporting Donald Trump are somehow terrorists. I wasn't saying the millions of, of, of patriots across the country supporting President Trump are terrorists. And that's what a lot of people have misunderstood well, that well, comment. Wait a I second, focused, but even you, yeah. wait, but hold on. What you just said doesn't make sense. So if somebody assaults a cop, he should be charged and go to jail. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. We have said that for years. But that person's still not a terrorist. How many people have been charged with terrorism? On January so listen, 6th. Like, why'd you none, use that word? You're playing into the other side's characterization that, as Joe Kent just explained, allows them to define an entire population as foreign combatants. And you know that. So why'd you do it? So, so Tucker, let me answer you directly. The, the reason I use that word for a decade, I have referred to people <clears throat> who violently assault police officers as terrorists. I've done so over and over and over again. If you look at all the assaults we've seen across the country, I've called that terrorism over and over again. That being said, Tucker, I agree with you. It was a mistake to say that yesterday. And the reason is what you just said, which is we've now had a year of Democrats in the media twisting words and trying to say that all of us are terrorists, trying to say you're a terrorist, I'm a terrorist. And so, look, I don't like people who, who assault cops and, and, and I well, stand up and defend cops. And, and the reason I use that word is that's the word I've always used for people that violently attack cops. But in this context, I get why people were angry, because we've had a year of the corrupt corporate media and Democrats claiming anyone who, who objected to, to the election fraud. And by the way, remember what was happening during wait, wait, those wait, wait, wait. Can, can I just ask, hold on, you work in this, I just, I guess I just don't believe you. <laughs> and I mean that with respect, because I have such respect for your acuity and your precision, and I've seen it on display, I've covered you as a reporter, I know how you speak. And you have sat there for a year and watched people use language to distort the events of that day. Intentionally. Insurrection. Coup. It, of course it terrorism. was an insurrection. Saying it's an insurrection is a political term. It's a lie. I've repeatedly denounced it. 
And, and, and when it comes to, look, I was focusing on what I normally say, that what you aired was a little 15 second snippet. What I normally say is violence is wrong, peaceful protest is right. If you engage in violence, you should be prosecuted. If you're speaking, you have a right to speak. I right. say that all the time. Well, I meant and I agree. That snippet. So who's Ray Epps, by the way, since you are a senator? Like he and this other guy are clearly encouraging yeah. the crowd to commit crimes. Neither one has been arrested or charged. <laughs> what is that, do you think? So I think that is a very good question. I don't know who Ray Epps is. I've seen that video. <laughs> he's right? he's a glowy. He's a glowy. Violate the law. When you see the crowd start chanting, Kudos, Tucker. Kudos. Yeah, good job. Tuck's the only one doing his job, earning his keep on the mainstream media, man. God bless you, Tuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you got that, you know, it's, it's unreal. And you got that other guy, one-eyed uh, Willie, uh, also known as uh, Crenshaw, that that uh, the baby seal, yeah, yeah. the baby yeah. seal guy who, uh, you know, just unbelievable. You know, just re retarded people and this is a problem, folks. This is why you cannot allow these politicians to run rampant. We need term limits, and we need to ban lawyers from holding public office, period. You know, and who are lawyers? They are part of the bar. What is the bar? The British Accredited Regency, which is what? They're loyal to what? The crown. Anywho's in. So what's the solution here, Siege? What's the solution? There's a great article written by uh, Paul Craig Roberts, and um, he said the best. He said the and he said the Constitution is not a suicide pact. It's a wonderful idea, right? It's, a, it's, it's true. The, the Constitution is not a suicide pact, right? But it's nearing that deadly threshold in a number of ways. Federal debt, unchecked immigration, most existentially in a lunatic foreign policy. I like to call it a murderous, schizophrenic foreign policy, a foreign policy of, 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 of absolute stupidity. In its relations with Russia and China, especially, but those with regard to Iran, North Korea, and others, the diplomatic, military, and intelligence apparatus in Washington City seems driven to ignite dangerous international conflagrations. You see, the District of Criminals is spearheaded by people who have these crazy machinations. And these machinations are that they think that they can create a crisis. They can start a fire somewhere and they can somehow control it. It's foolishness. These idiots are so inured by their own hubris. They are so inured by the matrix of their own echo chambers. They literally believe it's the 1970s or the 1980s or the early 1990s, and we're the only lone superpower on the planet. We can do anything we want anywhere in the world, whenever we want, and nobody can say it or do anything about it in retrospect. That we can control all this, that we're the masters of the universe. We're the masters of narrative. So that moron, that flat, that fat, bloated pig, Carl Rove, saying reality is what we say it is. No, it isn't, Carl. Only an idiot who served in Washington D.C. with his head firmly lodged up his rear sphincter would even utter such a more stupid phrase as that, as Carl Rove has said. Paul Crook Roberts says he's no. He said this. He said NATO officials have thumbed their noses at Putin's concern with Russia's security. How dare the Russians? Why would they care about their own security? How dare they? They don't like that our NATO forces are training 20, 30 miles from their border. <laughs> Tough luck. 
Trump's national security advisor and neocon warmonger, John the Maniacal Mustache Bolton, encourages more provocation with Russia. Of course, a guy who is, you know, somebody who uh, um, never even fired a water gun. John Bolton couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag, but he's the most bloodthirsty son of a bitch on God's green earth. This psychopath, his, his desire, just like Pompeo, desire is to spread chaos and death all throughout the world. These people are sick because that is the only methodology of their madness. It is the only way that these people know how to do business. Because why? They went to these idiotic think tanks and these idiotic schools and these idiotic roundtables, and this is what they've been indoctrinated with. The, more, the world's dumbest model put together by the world's dumbest people who had the world's dumbest country. That would be us, folks. Clearly, as 2001 comes to an end, there is no intelligence to be found anywhere in the Western world as all vie to show how tough they are with Russia. Think about it. Entire civilizations of low IQ, low testosterone men who have testicles the size of raisins, who are afraid of their own wives, are going to show Russia how tough they are. When Putin says Russia has nowhere left to which to retreat, he is telling the idiot West that Russia has reached the extent of its ability to avoid war. When you, you know what, the, the, the this is, imagine if you will, a bunch of cute, fuzzy bunny rabbits, okay? Imagine if you will, a bunch of cute, fuzzy bunny rabbits and these cute, fuzzy bunny rabbits have taken uh, uh, so little swords, little cutesy-witsy swords, little cutesy-witsy spears, and they're backed up a 1,500-pound Kodiak bear, a 1,500-pound brown bear, a Kodiak bear, a monster animal. And this gaggle of tens of thousands of these little bunny rabbits are threatening this grizzly bear. And the bear is like being nice. The bear is like, look, man, I I'm going to give you your space. Just don't come in my territory. And the bear's like, all right, now you're 50 feet away from me. The bear's like, you better step back. And the bunny rabbits keep coming. Bunny rabbits are now 30 feet. And then it's 20 feet. And then it's 10 feet. And now the bear's like, all right, I'm going to have to kill you all. Because there's nowhere else for me to go. And you guys are a bunch of idiots. Okay? And, and this is the, the, the situation that we're, that we're facing in. Right? There's no intelligence in the West. When Putin says that there's nowhere to retreat, he's literally telling the truth. We have simply no room to retreat means... Russia has done all she can do to avoid war, and now the idiot, stupid Americans, led by Joe Brandon and the morons in the state by Tony Blinky Blinkity Blinken and Victoria, the cookie woman of the Maidan, has literally pushed and has pushed NATO to the point that they are in Russia's doorstep. Putin's relying on Biden to show awareness. Oh, God. And responsibility to work for peace, acknowledging Russia's legitimate security concern. But when, what if Biden is just a figurehead and the shots are called by the military security complex, which, you know, headed by, again, morons, guys who haven't won a war since World War II. Okay, these are the idiots running the military industrial complex who will go for profits despite the risk that Putin will not back down. And what if Washington concern is limited to destabilizing Russia in the interest of U.S. hegemony? Think about it. We are a broken empire. And a, 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 a country that is literally falling to pieces, and yet we want to threaten war 
with a nuclear-powered adversary that has more nukes than we do, that have that are literally two and a half generations ahead in missile technology, and we want to go threaten them. It's insane. It's insane. 2022 could be the year that the Western world comes to an end in a nuclear war. Let's hope not. I think I think 2022 will be another year of chaos, and I think by 2024 there will be a limited conflict. 2024, I would I would say, as the data is starting to indicate, I think 2024 there will be a limited conflict either in the South China Seas or in Eastern Europe, and I think most likely it will be in the South China Seas because of the simple fact is they have freaking failed miserably in Eurasia. The U.S. is completely chased out of Eurasia. The U.S. does have an unsinkable floating aircraft carrier in the South China Sea, and that is called Taiwan. And they will do what they can. You see, Russia is the military power that will not back down. It is the energy power that will not be dethroned. So the only thing left for these idiots is try to stir up strife with China. And a lot of the moves that, that, that the U.S. is doing, and the, and the Russians are aware of this, Putin's aware of this, a lot of the moves that the U.S. is doing in Eurasia is a distraction move, is to keep the Russians destabilized and or preoccupied and or distracted while they, ramp, while they ramp up what is going on in the South China Seas. The South China Sea has always been the focus in the last eight to 10 years of U.S. foreign policy, from Obama to Trump to now Brandon. So... If there's going to be a limited war that they think they can control, these idiots, look, I'll be honest with you, a lot of people in the military industrial complex, they fear the Russians. They don't want anything to do with a ground war. They know American troops will be chewed up and spit out. It'd be a meat grinder. It would be a meat grinder. They don't want no beef with the Russian. Just like they know American troops will be chewed up and spit out if they went into a, a land war in Lebanon against Hezbollah. Hezbollah would murk, they, they would make short work of the U.S. Marines. Very short work. They don't want none of that. Well, V, how do you know that? Well, why don't you ask Golan Sariat, Israeli Special Forces, how tough Hezbollah is? Why don't you go ask the Israelis who are more battle-hardened than any American force? Go ahead. Ask them. I'll wait. Now, the idiot planners, though, they see China as something that they can get actually get away with. But their biggest problem is how to get around the, the hypersonics. That's their biggest problem. And, and the other question is how much hypersonics do China have? And can they create enough destabilization? Because China is the financial power. If they knock China out, they pretty much can knock the multipolar world out. They won't end Eurasia. Because Russia still controls that, right? But the entire multipolar world in terms of the, 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 the one belt, one road from China's perspective in terms of development and whatnot could come to an end. They knock out China, they knock out Africa. They knock out China, they knock out the rest of the developing nations in which China is funding and helping to build. It, it, it's too tempting. And then they could step in as the alternative and go back to what the West does best. Rob, rape, and pillage. They can go back to having economic hitmen and jackals and assassination attempts and color revolutions and, 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 and exploitation, which is what we do so well. They'll be back to business as normal. They'll be back how it was in the, in, in the 90s when there was no challenger. 
And then Eurasia will be something that they'll just deal with. Well, they know they can't stop Russia. They know that the eastern states are all swinging towards Russia. And they know that if they take out China, well, at least at some point, they can probably do some sort of shaky business with the Russians in the Eurasian uh, trade zone. But at least China's taken out of the way. And this whole multipolar world comes to a halt. And the only thing that the that the broken Southern West can deal with is try to get along with the with the Eurasian power. And that's the situation here. U.S. Senator Fulbright of Arkansas gave expression to it in some remarks during the, the Vietnam War. He said, if America has a service to perform to the world, and I believe it is in large part of the service of its own example, in our excessive involvement in the affairs of other countries, we are not only living off our assets and denying our own people the proper enjoyment of their resources, we are also denying the world the example of a free society enjoying its freedom to the fullest. This is regrettable indeed for a nation that aspires to teach democracy to other nations because, as Burke said, example is the school of mankind and they will learn at no other. Think about it. Think about that. There are many respects in which America, if it can bring itself to act with the magnanimity and the empathy appropriate to its size and power, can be an intelligent example to the world. We have the opportunity to set an example of a generous understanding in our relations with China, of practical cooperation for peace in our relations with Russia, of reliable and respectful partnerships in our relations with Western Europe, of material hopefulness without moral presumption in our relations with developing nations, of abstention from the temptations of hegemony. No, we can't abstain from hegemony. Politicians in the military-industrial complex, they're, the military-incompetent complex, they're, they're hooked on it. They're, they're high off of hegemony in our relations with Latin America and our all-around advantages of minding one's own business in our relations with everybody. How refreshing is that? Minding our own business. What a concept. What a concept. Most of all, we have the opportunity to serve as an example of democracy to the world by the way in which we run our own society. America, in the words of John Quincy Adams, should be the well-wisher to the freedom and independence of all, but the champion and vindicator only of her own. Amen and amen. Listen to those words. Let it ring in your heart. Listen again. John Quincy Adams said that America should be the well-wisher to the freedom and independence of all, but the champion and the vindicator only of her own. Imagine a society where we minded our own business. We cared about our own fellow citizens. We lifted up the downtrodden. We actually built infrastructure to the benefit of our citizenry. We created healthcare for our citizens where they don't have to worry about financial ruin because if they got sick or hurt. Imagine a country where politicians are held with accountability. Imagine a country with great physical production and a physical economy where there is zero debt, prosperity, and example. That is this country. That is the potential we had, folks. We allowed globalists to destroy our birthright. 
We were at one time the city on the hill. We were one time the great indispensable nation. We were the example. We were the ones that everybody in the world looked to move to and be a part of. And we squandered it by having the most vile, disgusting people in charge. Imagine that. If we can bring ourselves so to act, we will have overcome the dangers of the arrogance of power. It will involve, no doubt, the loss of certain glories. But that seems a price worth paying for the probable rewards, which are the happiness of America and the peace of the world. U.S. poor and pause for the last several decades bears little resemblance to the Southern ideal of prudent restraint, peaceful, mutually beneficial relations with other countries. Southerners need to think themselves just how they are benefiting from the policies being promoted by both the Republicans and the Democrats. Think about it. This is this is a message to the red states. The solution is a two-country solution, right? The red states need to separate from the blue states. We don't need to be a part of this nonsense. This gentleman goes on to say the South needs to separate itself from Washington's madness, expel lunatics like Senator Wicker from office, and send out diplomats who exude both the Southern friendliness and trustworthiness, but also hard resolve to the countries of the world, whether friendly or unfriendly to us at the moment. Dialogue is very important. Dialogue is very important. And that is something that we stopped. Moon Dragon, thank you for the super chat. He asked a question, will the West be able to defeat China? Not in the land. Externally, yes. I mean, China has right now a very, very, very formidable Navy. In fact, their Navy right now is the largest Navy in the world. Right now, the West can beat China in a naval war and an air war. Not in a ground assault invasion. No, they they can't beat them. It's not in a ground war. Nobody wants a ground war. But in air warfare, yes. And in naval warfare, yes. Unless the Russians get involved and then the West is going to have their asses kicked six ways from Sunday. Look, the Russians just have better equipment. And those guys train real hard. Real hard. And this is the thing, folks. What is going to happen on the other side of this collapse? Because let's be honest here. There's no way that people of our mindset will ever reconcile with the far left. There's no way. There's no way. We can exist. They can exist in our world. right? Because our worldview is do whatever the heck you want to do. Just don't hurt children. As long as it's between consenting adults and in the privacy of your, own home, of your own home, I don't care what the hell you do. Don't hurt kids and don't hurt animals, period. Right? Don't be abusive. But in their worldview, we can't exist. This is why you have that New York Times columnist who's saying, you know, laughing and being gleeful at those who are anti-vax and they died is it should be something that should be done. You see, because in their worldview, you got to understand, in their worldview, they're already at war with us. This is one thing you have to understand. Gus talks about all the time. The rest of the world is starting to get the rest of the libertarian conservative world is starting to catch up to where Gus Demas is. Gus has been beating it over. We're at war. We're at war. We're at war. These people want you dead. These people want you in concentration camps. 100% correct. They could exist in our world, but we could never exist in theirs because they want us dead. They want us in camps. So the solution is 
two countries. They could have the USSA, the United Socialist States of America, and we will be the Constitutional Republic of the United States. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Steve Pesenic and installing Putin, that's a bunch of bullshit, man. Look, Steve Pesenic is a plant. That guy, Pesenic is probably one of the biggest guys that was involved in the stand down of many patriots throughout the country on his appearance with Alex Jones and whatnot. Okay? Pesenic's a little over and over his head. He, he lives in Montana, not too far from a, 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 a buddy of mine that I know who's run into Pesenic several times. Pesenic is not what he's all cracked up to be. He's a He's, he's a shit talker. That's what, that's what the guy is. Pacific. Kissinger bragging about installing Putin. Give me a freaking break. Come on, man. Ridiculous. Anyway, Siege, that's all I got to say. Your comments, man. No, brother, that's it. Uh, you know, very well said. Spot on assessment. So, no, good stuff. That's it. And with that being said, folks, thank you all for listening in. And we are over at, remember, 2 p.m., Matthew Erickson with the geopolitical, uh, the the great game. It's the, probably the, some of the best, most informative, most educational shows. You want to learn how the, the real world works outside of conspiratard worldview? You could have the conspiratard worldview where you think, uh, you know, these the, the Western morons like Kissinger and whatnot have any sort of real power. Or you can find out how the real world works outside of that nonsense. Get out of this, this, this uh, misdirection that was purposely created by Western intelligence agencies to keep people off balance. All right. That's this whole Rothschild, Kissinger, and all that other BS. There's more to it. I, I'll be happy to delve deeper into that and give you guys the actual history. Anyway, keep it locked in here. 2 p.m. Matthew Errett will be on. With that being said, we're over now. Take it away, CJ. <laughs> <laughs>